Welcome to The Table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. scripture comes from Luke chapter 2 verses 41 through 52. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover and when he was 12 years old they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers they went a day's journey Then they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting amongst the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think there's something to somebody around the age of Jesus in that story, reading that story for us. Thank you so much. Uh, as you all can tell, I am not Pastor Michelle. She uh, told me to let you all know that she is super bummed that she could not be here. Uh, she called me around 8.30 last night asking if I would preach this sermon for her. So please hear these words in her voice. Um, and what she is trying to share with you all in this Advent season and in this sermon series. Um, So first, uh, last Sunday, Dirk, uh, the other Dirk, um, although I have to stop for just a minute. There are two Dirks in this congregation. (laughs) 
I have met two others in my entire life. He is one of them. And he's also from Washington State, which is where we met in the first place. Um, he is also a clergy person, and we are both attending the same place every Sunday for worship. The, the, the odds are mind-boggling. Um, the other week, actually, we com commiserated about all the things that go with having the name Dirk, like being called Dirk the Jerk, which is definitely my favorite, um, or Dirty Dirk, which doesn't make any sense and very not creative, but, you know, it was, it was healing. It was healing. Um, but here I am preaching... Pastor Michelle's sermon and already digressing, so let me get back. <laughs> so last Sunday, the other Dirk preached about Jesus's first days in ministry as an adult. And most commentators believe that Jesus was about 30 years old when he entered into his calling of ministry. And in just a couple of weeks, we'll read about his birth. But the question is, what happened in between those years at his birth and when he started his ministry at the age of 30. The scriptures that were read for us today are an account of that from Luke chapter 2, where we learn about the 12-year-old Jesus. Here we also learn a little bit about what it was like raising that 12-year-old Jesus. The, the columnist and author, Irma Bombeck, in one of her books tells of a story about a, quote, supermom, the mom who does everything the, the right way, perfection itself. And, then, and so since she's interviewing this mom, she, she asks her uh, how she keeps her perfect home, how she keeps her husband happy, how she always has a common book of prayer on her coffee table, how she was always pregnant when the priest came to the door somehow. And so Irma asks her, how are you so perfect? And this super mom answer, answers, well, I seek to emulate the Blessed Virgin Mary. So Irma, being a good journalist, asks her, well, what about me? Is it, is it too late for me to also emulate the Blessed Virgin Mary? And so this woman, Marge, sees that Irma is very curious how she can do this. And so she says, well, since you're asking, I'll tell you. When the kids are bathed and tucked in and clean in their little beds, and all the lunches are made and lined up and packed in the refrigerator, and the little shoes are all racked up where they're supposed to be, and I've heard all the prayers from all the children, I fall down on my knees and I say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for letting me not kill them. <laughs> this is how she emulates the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, I don't personally know any of the super moms as defined by perfect homes and happy spouses and books of common prayers everywhere. But I do, though, know plenty of super moms as defined by, despite all of the tantrums, <laughs> their kids are still living at the end of the day. And with a toddler at home and a baby in the belly, my wife is definitely one of those super moms. This Advent season, we're looking at Jesus through the eyes of the Blessed Virgin Mary, this first super mom. She was so young when she gave birth to him. And she, and actually when Jesus would become a teenager, she was still in her 20s. 
And so we tend to think that Jesus would have been no trouble at all to raise. Our scripture today makes it clear that even Jesus was a challenge to raise at times. It was a challenge to raise a teenage, almost teenage, virgin, version of God incarnate, God's own son. And though it would be ludicrous for Mary to imagine us thinking about her parenting skills some 2,000 years later, I do think that Mary's joy in seeing her son grow up is a teaching moment for all of us as we seek to contribute and invest in the lives of those that are growing around us, to include these children that are here being grown and raised at Kingstown Communion. In this passage, the first teachable thing we notice that is that Mary gives Jesus a strong foundation. Did you hear it in, in verse 40? It says, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and grace of God was among him. According to the scripture today, this child from Bethlehem eventually grew up. He became strong. He became wise. He became devout. He grew physically and mentally and spiritually in all the things that each of us long for in growing children around us. Of course, Jesus was well fed and, and so he physically grew up. Jesus, like any other Jewish boy of his time, was circumcised on the eighth day of life and was presented to the temple and dedicated as the firstborn son. And we can know from this passage that Jesus' family wasn't wealthy by the humble offering that they bring to the temple. They brought a pair of turtle doves or some young pigeons. But they had enough. A well-to-do family might have brought a lamb, but Jesus' family, they had enough. So Jesus grew up with this strong foundation grounded physically in a good, law-abiding home. Mentally, of course, he grew too. He was schooled and apprenticed as any boy would have been in his family's trade, which was carpentry. But spiritually, well, today's scene opens by telling us that Joseph and Mary were making the annual required trip to, that all of Jesus' people would have to Jerusalem during the Passover festival. Now on this particular journey, Jesus is 12 years old. And the way this would have worked may be a little dumbfounding and unusual for us, but for them it was like a caravan style scene. Joseph and Mary and their kids are on a pilgrimage with quite a substantial crowd of friends and neighbors and relatives. And they travel in the traditional form, men traveling together in the front, animals and possessions in the center, and women in the back. And children would be normally assigned a beast or something bundled together to be superintended, but their movement in this group was a little bit more fluid. It's a little wonder that Mary and Joseph just assumed that Jesus was with one or the other or somewhere admits the, the big caravan. In the chaos of this huge caravan, though, the, no one noticed that Jesus wasn't among them until they settled in for the night and they started counting kids and Jesus wasn't there. And we can look at this from Mary's perspective. We could look at this from Mary's perspective in today's court of motherhood, if you will. And what would that verdict be? 
Just think about the shame she must have felt for forgetting about Jesus. How could you have failed to check on him before you left the city? One day theologians will call this woman Theotokos, or the mother of God. But now God incarnate is missing. Mary has lost God. She had no idea where God is. And it is her motherly duty to go and find God. So, immediately, they start retracing their steps. And they head back to Jerusalem. And when they find Jesus, he is so grounded. I mean, <laughs> probably when they get home, too. But he's also grounded in that foundation that Mary raised him in, physically and mentally and spiritually. And we can understand how he got to be so grounded, right? When they find him and run up to him, they don't run up to him and say, oh, holy Jesus, why, of course you're here. We're so happy. Let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> no. In the, the message translation, which is the paraphrase version of the Bible, it reads like this. Young man, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been out of our minds looking for you. Here, we get this pretty honest interaction between where Mary, or where Mary becomes this maternal disciplinarian. I like to think that even Mary had to discipline Jesus as his mom. It's an important part of keeping his mental grounding. Jesus was a good kid, but he was still a kid. Beyond Jesus's foundation, his grounding and his grounding, the second thing that we can notice is that Mary and Joseph, even with all that disciplining, that all that grounding, they had to give Jesus space to grow, to be who he needed to be. It was actually a bit of an awkward time for Jesus and his parents. In the Jewish tradition, the age of 12 marked the beginning, in, or beginning of the end of childhood. That transition would be completed at the age of 13, kind of like 18 today. It was at this tender age that the boy would become responsible for keeping binding vows. Parental uh, punishments would increase in severity. When you were 12, fasting for an entire day became an expectation of you. All of these special allowances granted to the very young children were gradually being revoked and replaced by greater expectations and responsibilities. Jesus, not yet a full adult under the law at the age of 12, but also no longer just a child. And so it's this awkward time. And there's always this tedious balance, a balance of protection and freedom, expectations and responsibilities. And in this passage, to me, Mary and Joseph come across as good, concerned, Parents. They've given Jesus a little bit of freedom to roam around the caravan as it winds its way back home. After all, he has almost reached that age of accountability. Yet, they do know enough that they need to check on him. And when they do, the frantic search began. But when they do find him, they discover their little boy isn't quite so little anymore. They're upset, and, and rightly so. But do you think that maybe eventually they became pleased as well? 
Can't you imagine them sitting and talking about this later? How Jesus is coming into his own, isn't he? He's taken his place among the teachers in the temple. He's engaging them in a very adult manner, taking part in their dialogue. Can you hear Mary and Joseph's conversation? Of course, after they've calmed down a bit. How they're kind of feeling proud of their son. Can you hear Mary saying, he's, he's not your typical 12-year-old, is he? He's not wrapped up in all those self-centered things. Instead, did you notice, Joseph, how he's focusing on who he is now? And even more so, whose he is now? And there's this echo of Jesus throughout the scripture lesson here that begins, that, of a Jesus that begins to understand on a new level didn't you think that I would be at my father's house? This brings us to our, our final and third thing that we can notice about Mary as she watches her son as he grows up. Perhaps we can call this the ever-expanding circle of influence. Parents are, of course, of course, always the largest influence on any kid's life, but there becomes a point where good parents, where smart parents have to widen that circle for their kids. More and more do they have to include and allow others and people and groups and environments and sources that will expand and influence their children. We need people in our kids' lives to ask them the questions, what do you want to be when you grow up? And more importantly, where is God calling you to use your gifts to accomplish God's purpose for the world? And Jesus today says, had to be about my father's business. Mary and Joseph and Jesus are making the transition from the boy Jesus to the man Jesus and all that that will entail. And as parents, it's comforting to know that they had to go through that with Jesus even too. And for those of us that are still experiencing our own coming of age, it helps us to know that even Jesus had to take that journey too. And so today, in this third Sunday of Advent, Jesus and his family, and, and even more so, the joyous imperfections of our own families, has to begin to battle over authority in their family. For Jesus and, and his family, and even more so in our own families, it foreshadows a, greater, a grander battle, one between heavenly and earthly authority in our own lives. In this account, Jesus voluntarily leaves his father's house in Jerusalem, obedient to his earthly parents in Nazareth. But Mary knows it's just the beginning. The scripture says that Mary is pondering this, holding these things deeply in her heart. It's instructive for what will lie ahead. Years later, Jesus would return to Jerusalem, Mary and the rest of his family will hear him teaching in the temple. They will see the looks of the leaders' faces and hear them question his sanity and try to discount his teachings. And they will stand outside the temple once again, trying to whisk him away back to his familiar home where it's safe. Jesus, you know your family is always here for you. But as Jesus puts it later in Luke 8, my mother and brothers are the ones who hear God's word and do it. 
Jesus, obedient in his mother's house in Luke 2, will be fully moved into his father's house by Luke 8. And Mary, well, Mary, like all good mothers, will have to let him go. She can't insulate the world from him. She can't keep him intensely focused on family affairs. Instead, it is her work to give her child the grounding needed to use his gifts and his service in God's house. So too is it our work here in the house of Kingstown Communion to prepare all of those coming of age to use their gifts and their services in God's house. Which reminds me, or rather reminded Michelle, of a Christmas hymn once in the royal David city. Perhaps you know it, and as we close today, I'll invite you all to pretend like Michelle is singing it to you because I am not. <laughs> and, and you all can thank me later. But this is the, the final two verses of that song. Jesus is our childhood's pattern. Day by day, like us, he grew. He was little, weak, and helpless. Tears and smiles like us, he knew. And he feeleth for our sadness, and he shareth in our gladness. And our eyes at last shall see him through his own redeeming love. For that child so dear and gentle is our Lord in heaven above. And he leads his children on to the place where he is gone. Amen. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious and giving God, in this Advent season, we thank you. We thank you for reminding us of the preparation that even Jesus had to take for his own ministry. We thank you for reminding us that we, too, need that time of sitting and preparing and reminding ourselves Jesus' gift to this world is coming, and so, too, is ours. Lord, in this time, we... We lift up our pastor, Pastor Michelle, who is, who is, in her words, bummed to not be here. God, so are we. And so we, we pray that she heal quickly. She would be back with us soon so that she can use those gifts in service to your house. For all of us here today, as we prepare for God, for Jesus, God incarnate. As we prepare in this season of our lives, we pray that you would work in and through us, that in the good and bad of our weeks, that we would be reminded that you are always with us. Gracious and, and merciful God, we come together as your people, crying out to you in this place of worship, praying that prayer that we were taught so many years ago, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us.